From Chicago, welcome to Three Degrees Discussions. I'm your host, Mike Vasquez. That was a learning experience trying to get a service provider to uh, build my my part in metal. Um, that was a learning experience on its own because I was so surprised, you know, working in additive, uh, being, you know, knowing all of the lingo and then contacting like the service providers that I see at the trade shows who are like, let's do a project. <laughs> <laughs> and I sent them this like geometry that was just like so wildly different. And uh, I got a lot of really, really negative responses from people um, that really shaped my perspective of like when the right time to go to a metal 3D printing service provider would be. That's Danny Levy. Danny's currently an advanced manufacturing technologist for a Stell startup. He has great insights on design for additive manufacturing, and we discussed some of his approaches to designing for the technology and perspectives from inside the trenches of 3D printing machine operation. Thanks for coming on, Danny. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, cool. Well, well, thanks for having me. Super, super fun to do a, uh, a podcast with you and uh, talk about, you know, my experiences. Um, my name is Danny Levy for if we didn't catch it, but I've, I've been in additive for about seven years um, by, uh, by way of kind of the startup entrepreneurship community. Um, I had recently, you know, graduated college. I was figuring out what I was going to do. Um, I, I, I went to, um, went to school here in Chicago for industrial design at, at Columbia college. And I had always been really passionate about, about design and uh, through school, you know, had explored a lot with digital fabrication. Um, and I, I ended up joining a startup that um, was coincidentally um, created, co-founded by a buddy of mine who uh, had like, he had, dropped out of DePaul's entrepreneurship program. He was part of the, the MakerBot community and had teamed up with some other folks here in Chicago and did this little mini um, 3D printing service bureau, uh, which is actually how, how I think we met. We had a, a farm of uh, MakerBots and uh, also a, an, an EOS uh, P-Series machine and just kind of like threw myself into it, learned by doing. Uh, it was a wild experience. Anyone that's done a, a startup kind of knows how, how that can go. It can be great and exciting and it can uh, go catastrophically wrong at, at some points. And, you know, the team, we were all, you know, in our, in our early 20s running a business and learned things the hard way. Um, and yeah, so, uh, I think Mike, didn't, didn't we meet each other? Like I, I had given you some, some powder from our, uh, from our EOS machine. That's right. I think that was the first time we, I was like, I remember at the time being so worried about it. We didn't know what, what to do with all of our, uh, dead powder. <laughs> it was like, we were stashing it in the back, you know? I was like Googling like what to do with, <laughs> with nylon powder, you know, needless to say, I, I didn't stay <laughs> at that startup. And, um, but what I was doing was like creating a lot of educational content and 
that's something that um, I, I recognized early on was like winning customers uh, was less about like your your product specifically and more about like educating them about what you can do. And, and I took that and I was making all sorts of content in for, for STEM and about 3D printing, doing meetups. Uh, so I spent some time just like working with schools. Um, I did a little bit of work with Duke University's talent identification program, which is like a STEM camp on steroids kind of a thing. And it was, it was great, but I, I quickly realized that what I knew about 3D printing could be uh, much more applicable in, you know, for commercial businesses. And uh, so I, I ended up taking a position with Fisher Unitech, which is now CATI uh, in an application engineering role. And uh, yeah, we had, we had met at MHUB uh, where, where I had navigated a, a partnership uh, for, for a couple of years. And yeah, so, you know, the, the, the commercial added manufacturing scene uh, is really where I think I, I honed my skills, um, learned what it's all about in terms of, you know, being a provider of, of 3d printers of commercial 3d printers. You know, we were distributing Stratasys 3d printers and, um, you know, they had a number of other uh, technologies under under their uh, product lineup. And um, so, yeah, now now I'm working um, with a, a multitude of, you know, digital manufacturing technologies back in the startup world um, in the uh, in the energy sector. So I went from, you know, being a complete noob to being a uh, an expert, which I'm, I'm doing quotations around that because I always feel weird calling myself an expert. Uh, and now I'm, I'm an end user. One of the reasons I really enjoy talking to you, Danny, is that you have this really thorough understanding of both how the process works and operating the machine, maintaining the machine, but also the superb design understanding that allows you to communicate to customers in a way that as almost a translator to, to help explain how the technology works, but then how you should really leverage it in real life applications. Yeah, it's, it's uh, specifically with people who haven't gone from start to finish. I think that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of challenges, <laughs> uh, you know, whether it's someone ordering parts, that's, that's one thing, you know, talking to an engineer that just kind of sees the, maybe the cost of a part, and they think about it just being plastic or, or maybe metal, you know, whatever it is. Um, or even uh, from like a organization level, I mean, I get, I get called up by friends of mine who have been asked to investigate technology on behalf of their company. And they're, you know, they don't know anything. And it's just, there's so many small details that they need to understand before they really can, um, I guess, just like quantify a solution. Uh, and yeah, it goes from, you know, the, the top to the bottom of any organization. And uh, that's why anytime you talk to someone who's like run a machine, been involved in like a parts business or, or selling machines or like whatever it is, there's kind of this like instant 
recognition that that there's this like shared knowledge and you don't have to explain as much about it. Over the time that you've been in the ad dev industry, have you seen the understanding of the end user or customers that you were working with improve or change through their design questions and parts that they were submitting? You know, that's it's interesting because in many ways I, I want to say yes, but I'm also like more involved in the 3D printing community than I ever have been before. So it's like, for instance, you know, there's a, there's a big community of people posting on LinkedIn and uh, the knowledge is, is there, but then on other social media platforms uh, like, like Instagram, um, which, you know, I, I have a, I have a page that I post, you know, added proper added manufacturing uh, content to, <clears throat> there really is a disconnect, I think, between, you know, the 3D printing enthusiast community and the added manufacturing community, uh, specifically on the internet, also, also, you know, physically, because um, the, the understanding of the collection of technologies, I just don't think is there when it comes to like enthusiasts, just they have hobbyist machines, they have prosumer machines or DIY machines that they've built and they're, they're super knowledgeable uh, people. But uh, if you started talking about DMLS or DED or, you know, even, even I, I guess like uh, multi-jet fusion has had pretty good penetration across the board, but when it comes to like the more niche areas of additive manufacturing, like the, the knowledge, probably isn't there for uh, people who aren't necessarily like in the, uh, the additive manufacturing, you know, the small circle of people that we were talking about. We were a bit spoiled at Adam Hub in the sense that we got to see one of every type of polymer system. We had FDM and SLS and Polyjet. And I think one of the challenges I face is for people that are jumping technologies from FDM to SLS or vice versa, um, is getting them to understand how the processes differ and how you might design differently for each process, including supports and, and other considerations. Yeah, that's a that's certainly a tricky thing because it's like um, <laughs> I always try to avoid even even when I was involved in like selling, you know, uh, selling commercial 3D printing systems. I avoided, I tried to like maintain being technology agnostic. I tried to not sound like a salesperson. Uh, you know, I was trying to avoid all those things. But when it comes to explaining the technology, uh, sometimes it's good to just like stick with the cliches that you hear from the equipment manufacturers. You know, like I hate hearing uh, when people describe fuse deposition modeling as like, well, it's just a glue gun, you know, it's like, it's kind of uh, irritating to hear, but at the same time, like that's what clicks in people's heads. So uh, yeah, like having, having those visual references kind of, I think helps avoid the cliches of describing 3D printing technology that, you know, helps people just like, just have that aha moment, I guess. It's also been really interesting to see how the, numerous technology platforms has impacted you know, the real life applications that have evolved through the COVID pandemic with face shields and PPE and ventilators and how all those 
can technology or fast fabrication um, platforms can can really help in an effort like that. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, it's almost like an unintended consequence of um, of what's been happening, where uh, the call for fabrication as it relates to uh, you know filling voids in the supply chain has led many people who wouldn't necessarily uh, be investigating that type of stuff to look into the technology. And I mean, I was on the phone with all sorts of people within my network uh, when, you know, COVID was really ramping up in the United States and in Chicago about, you know, Hey, we want to get this made. And they're just like, well, we were going to print it on a, on an ultimaker or whatever. And I was like, well, here's why you might not want to do it on an Ultimaker or, you know, something something along those lines. And and again, it was it could have been for something very low fidelity, but it, it could also be uh, for stuff that are high fidelity as well. And uh, I, I guess it's uh, I'm glad that I could help people out and I'm I'm. I, I hope that when it comes to 3D printing or just even manufacturing in general, that, you know, people have uh, uh, easier access to the people that can lead them to the right solution. Because, um, you know, when it comes to anything healthcare related, I, I think that it requires mm, an approach that may not just be you know, exporting it and printing it. Like there should be some consideration of, is this the right tool for the job? Is this the right material for the application? You know, uh, is what I'm doing gonna uh, do more help than harm? Um, you know, and, and there's, I firsthand saw a handful of scenarios like that, so. Yeah. Was there a particular use case that, always popped up with your work with Fisher Unitech? Was it prototyping, jigs and fixtures, kind of custom models? Was there something that kind of always came up in terms of the work you were doing? Um, well, you know, we're, we're in the Midwest, right? So uh, we're, we're smack dab in the middle of good old, good old manufacturing of jigs and fixtures. I mean, that was <laughs> what we were talking about all day. And I have, I have a bunch of friends that you know we're kind of in the realm of application engineering and we'd always joke about jigs and fixtures and how it's not you know it's not a sexy application but it's it's what sells and so i don't know i'd say that like jigs and fixtures and things that are very like literal manufacturing aids uh and that that definitely expanded into you know, like tooling stuff that may have been a little bit more exciting, but uh, for the most part, it's pretty cut and dry. Um, so that was like what, what we would see the most of. And, um, you know, I, I like I had said, I, I went to school for industrial design and I've always been like a design uh, nerd and not necessarily as much of an engineer, which was funny that I like found my way into an engineering role. Uh, but it was just like, I found myself, it was hard to get excited about it. And that led me Not to too many design. lattice designed chicks and fixtures for lightweighting. <laughs> yeah. It's like you go and you like look at what's happening in 3d printing on the internet and you see all these like 
super cool like topology optimization of like Bentley's you know brakes and uh, you know uh, aerospace components all this stuff and then you know you're talking to a guy from like a small like mom and pop shop about like some prismatic fixture with like holes in it and you're just like oh man but uh, yeah that did navigate me to to focus on stuff that I do care about which is certainly like addressing the bigger problems and you know being in Chicago we have uh, a really good um, network of hospitals here and I, I found myself working with them and you know intraoperative um, <clears throat> uh, 3d printing for pre or intraoperative uh, evaluation was something that you know, was, was picking up traction. Um, and so that's the idea of taking a, a scan of somebody and converting to a model. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, a lot of, a lot of the scan to 3d printing stuff or, or other aspects. I mean, there's a, a number of, uh, uh, healthcare, uh, OEMs, you know, in, in Michigan and, in Ohio and some here in Illinois that were making medical devices. Um, and so I'd say that that was probably like the next thing that we saw a lot of, you know, it was like jigs and fixtures, healthcare stuff. And then uh, I guess the number three was probably like um, consumer packaged goods and uh, packaging. Um, and that stuff was also pretty engaging just because, you know, you see products on the shelf and then when you're like involved in something related to you know helping that company optimize it it was like oh like i know this product so that's it's kind of fun yeah and one of the other things that i mean we always talk about over the the year is kind of the annual amug show and i know although this year didn't happen you were getting more and more involved and in in the group as a whole as well right yeah, yeah, definitely gotta definitely gotta plug AMUG as as best as I can. The Additive Manufacturing User Group. I uh, I've been working with the uh, the marketing committee, just kind of taking some of my technical skills to try to help them create content. Um, you know, it, it is unfortunate that this this past year, you know, had to had to uh, get postponed like the way it did, but you know, all for the right reasons. Um, but you know that that community has become just my uh, my like at, is at the core of uh, why I really love three D printing um, because I I think that it made me realize that you know I had finally gone from just being this like uh, enthusiast to someone that was a part of a a, a broader community of people who had um, pretty, pretty similar, um, you know, perspectives in terms of the technology and how it can kind of transform um, industries and uh, change the way that we're working. So that, that was uh, cool. You know, my first year at that conference, just realizing that it was something way bigger than I had uh, originally known it to be. Yeah, and even last year you had, uh, is last year the first time you've entered the, the design portion of it, or have you done multiple entries to that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year was the first year that I entered the design comp, the technical competition, which they right. have, you yeah. know, they have two two different ones. Uh, 
Yeah, and and that is just growing. That's uh, <laughs> I thought that <laughs> I thought that there was going to be like three or four applicants. <laughs> I thought that I had it in the bag, um, and yeah, there was a whole room of people that entered the uh, the finishing competition and the technical design competition, and it, it's continuing to grow. So that was uh, that was really fun. Yeah, and you redesigned. Uh... Is it a guitar or a bass? Or yeah, is it is a guitar yeah. is a guitar head, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's actually it's actually right here next to me. It's, it was a long, long project in the making, but it was you know a, a guitar from the 1960s is my my father's guitar, and it had cracked down the down the center of the head, and I lost the other piece. I, I don't know where it went, so I scanned it, and I did a whole. A whole involved workflow of reverse engineering and lattice work, topology optimization, and kind of made it into this Terminator-looking attachment. Um, and uh, I actually—it took me a long time. I actually finished the project like 100% just last week. I uh, I got it uh, metal 3D printed finally, um, and uh, you know. I had to learn how to, <laughs> the most challenging part for me was learning how to drill and tap uh, screw holes. <laughs> so embarrassing, but yeah, so it's, uh, it plays and uh, I got to take some good pictures and post too because it looks, looks pretty cool. Yeah, I remember seeing at the competition, I was really impressed, I probably saw it before the competition too, but it was really, really impressive. Yeah, that was just the nylon. I just got that laser centered in nylon, though. And everyone yeah. was like, I think that that was the problem. People saw it in nylon. They're like, oh, like nylon. It's so, <laughs> I mean, nothing against nylon 12, right? It's a, like the go-to prototype. It doesn't have the same cachet as titanium. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, and man, lear- that was a learning experience, trying to get a service provider to uh, build my my part in metal. Um that was a learning experience on its own because I was so surprised, you know, working in additive, uh, being, you know, knowing all of the lingo and then contacting like the service providers that I see at the trade shows who are like, let's do a project. (laughs) And I sent them this like geometry that was just like so wildly different. And uh, I got a lot of really, really negative responses from people um, that really shaped my perspective of like when the right time to go to a metal 3d printing service provider would be. In in what ways? Like it was too complex. I didn't want to clean it or Um, support it. Yeah. So like one right out of the gate, they took it as like an, an art project and uh, they had just like negative, they're like, well, we don't really work with artists. And I'm like, well, I'm not really an artist. <laughs> I'm an application engineer at a company that like you already work with. <laughs> um, so there was that, but then, yeah, I think like from a risk perspective, they looked at the design that had lattice structures and, and just you know not pr- a lot of non-prismatic geometry and from a risk standpoint they're just like you know we're gonna no quote this and i was just like bummed out because like i did the i did the optimization all my optimizations were done in the direction of intended you know 
the intended build direction. So like everything was a 45, at least a 45 degree angle. Um, I had done like all sorts of just analysis that would qualify it to be built in out of metal 3D printing. Uh, granted, I'm, I don't run metal 3D printer or like laser uh, DMLS systems, right? But they, they just were like, you know, it's just too much risk for us. Um, just have to call it a jig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have just renamed the file. And I should have tried to make it seem like I came from like a big uh, Fortune 100 company. I think that was the other part of it was that like uh, initially I emailed people from like my personal Gmail <laughs> and that's always like a uh, indicator of like well that's not a repeat customer and um, I don't know I try I stopped trying to fight it. I did get some quotes they were like wildly expensive you know I'm like running all the numbers on the back end you know I'm like well this is the volume this is how much material it's going to use I can make some basic assumptions on the cost but you know at the end of the day I just went through an online service bureau um actually I tried through I think I, at first I tried to get it through iMaterialize and it, it took them like two weeks to tell me that they were going to refund it <laughs> 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 and then I went through Shapeways and uh they refunded it once and then I, I resubmitted it and like it went through. Uh, so, Hey, got it done. Right. There you go. Awesome. And I guess from kind of your experience with AMUG and kind of coming out as an industrial designer, do you have advice for kind of people that you're talking to in the mechanical engineering space or material space or just people interested in, in additive where, how do you think they should kind of start their career path? Yeah, I've gotten asked that uh, a couple a couple times, especially, you know, I was listening to the podcast that you did with Federico and, you know, I, I had collaborated with him for, for some of his, uh, with some of his students and, and they asked me the same question. And uh, I think it depends on, you know, like where, where your education is um, and then like where you're trying to go. Uh, you know, for me, I think that my entrance into the industry through the startup world um, really helped me in that, like, I was prepared to just do anything that I, I could, I would admit that I don't know how to do something, but I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to figure it out. And I think that if a lot, if more people took that approach instead of, um, I don't know how to do something, so I need to be shown how to do it, or I need to go like explicitly learn it before I can pass this point. Like if they kind of change their mindset uh, to just kind of learn by doing it, be okay with making the mistakes, um, that that you can just accelerate much faster. Um, and and you know, if you're coming from uh, the, the realm uh, outside of, of, you know, engineering, uh, like for me, it was just lear learning the lingo um, so I could communicate with people. I mean, most of the work that, that I'm doing uh, in additive relates to, you know, communication, not necessarily... Um, you know, hard engineering. And so 
for for students, um, you know, they they certainly need to uh, sharpen their communication skills uh, just as much as their like technical knowledge. Um, so yeah, I think that that's like my my general starting point with people, and and try to differentiate yourself. You know, like learn something that you you're not seeing people within 3D printing doing because that can certainly be applied. And I mean, I think that we're seeing a lot of that in, in software. I mean, software development was kind of the neglected component in 3D printing for such a long time. And now we're, we're seeing an absolute explosion of software focused companies. So, um, and do you like the, you've done, well, this is what your second startup or second or third startup that you're yeah. in now? Do you like the, what's the <laughs> advice on starting with a startup? <laughs> Which I, I'm guilty of that too, so. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll say that when I got out of the first one, I swore I would never do one ever again. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's got to come from passion, though. Like, the, the, the reason why, uh, you know, I, I got back to it was because it was something that I I felt very very attached to and you know a, a little a little bit about it like I, I'm involved at a hard science startup in Chicago and we're we're in stealth mode so I, I do have to be a little bit a little bit vague and omit the the juicy details but you know our, our primary focus is creating um, a a high energy density flow battery to meet transportation needs. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, challenges in the electrification of vehicles. And it's something that, you know, I've always been, I grew up in Metro Detroit, was a car nut growing up, uh, in many ways still am. Um, and I always felt really passionate about it and uh, looked at, you know, GM when they were doing the, the fuel cell skateboard concept and, you know, looked at uh, hybrids when they started emerging and just being like, yes, like here are, here are some real solutions for, for problems in our world. And uh, I guess, you know, <laughs> a decade's gone by and I'm still like, where are those solutions for the problems? <laughs> and, and so that's, that's what really got me back into the startup world is um, the right team uh, and the right environment and the right problem that I felt really passionate about because if it's something that you care about, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work and um, you can uh, get kind of that sense of satisfaction from, from what you're doing and it feels like it, it's making an impact. So. For sure. And you gotta be a bit crazy too. Like <laughs> gotta be a bit crazy. That's certainly true. And uh, as we wrap up here, appreciate the time, but can you tell us more about your Instagram page? Oh, yeah. So uh, it's, I, it's a bit of a pause right now, but I, I have like a whole bunch of uh, content that we're going to jump back into soon. Uh, it's called Technologically Woke, uh, technologically underscore woke. Uh, and yeah, the, the idea was to connect the, uh, the, the fresh 3D printing uh, community on Instagram and on the internet that love desktop printing, love uh, kind of the the, um, the homegrown 3D printing movement that happened and get them connected with what's happening uh, in proper additive manufacturing by 
um, taking all of the photos that I've aggregated from shows, from, from taking tours of facilities and uh, diving into the, the parts and how they're made and why they look and function the way they function. Um, because I really want to take the, the kind of DIY community that, that I came from that got me charged up about 3D printing and, and get it to merge with uh, kind of, I guess, the, the more AMUG crowd, the added manufacturing music group crowd, because, you know, this is something that has to continue growing if, if our industry is going to make up more than a, you know, a fraction of a percent of manufacturing as a whole. So we got to get more people plugged in and uh, kind of, due diligence for the for the knowledge transfer for the the future of uh of 3d printing and manufacturing as a whole yeah i love that idea i just uh i'm really glad that you're doing that because it it has i mean there is elements of that kind of division so to speak of the two different parts of of 3d printing so i think there's there's so much opportunity in in design and and sharing the knowledge and giving people access to to seeing what's possible, I think that's fantastic. Well, thanks for saying that got that's got me charged up. So I'm going to uh, I'm gonna be pushing forward with it. So looking forward to to posting more content then. Appreciate the the conversation today, Danny, and uh, yeah. talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to more podcasts.